0: Welcome back from spring break. I hope it was a time of recreation, not decreation, that you were recreated, not decreated by your festivities and activities. And if you were decreated, confessions are on Wednesday, so come. A few years ago, I spent my spring break in Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. For a wedding, that's the only reason I went. There was a great carol couple, she happened to be from Henderson City, which is basically Vegas, and I had to fly down and I did the wedding. And it was great because I always fly in my clerics. So even just getting on the plane to Las Vegas in clerics caused like curious looks and then a little bit of like consternation. Like, should we be be doing this? Anyway, Vegas, priesthood, it's interesting, right? There's really two Las Vegases. Is that how you say that? Or is it Las Vegas? I don't know. But there's the strip, and then there's the real Las Vegas where normal people live. And I have family down there. I have quite a few cousins uh, who live in, Las, in the real Las Vegas. But, so I went down to visit them, and of course they took me to the strip. So I said, all right, perfect, I'm going to wear clerics. So I went on the strip in my clerics down to Las Vegas. It's an absolute assault on your senses. Lights, sound, food, all of it. It's all very much in your face, and it's really enticing. It's meant to draw you in. And so I'm sitting there just, like, taking it in, but at a distance. I'm just observing this whole thing, going like, I hate this place the whole time. I'm like, I hate this place. Have you ever been? Why does the strip look the way it looks? Because we want it to. It looks exactly like we want it to. All of it. It's exactly what we want. The entire strip, and in reality, the whole city of Las Vegas and all its suburbs, is there only because of human desire. So someone decided the middle of the desert would be a great place to build an adult playground. It shouldn't be there. It's the middle of the desert, right? So it's fake and it's costly. There's a fake Eiffel Tower. There's fake pyramids. There's a fake Roman forum. It's all fake and it's costly. Just for example, think of all the natural resources that go in to making an adult playground full of golf courses in the middle of the desert. So it's fake and it's costly, and it has everything that goes along with that. So the focus is on wealth and fame and gluttony, of course, let alone lust. That was interesting. Priest walking down the strip with people who are handing out pamphlets, and all of a sudden they're like, oop, we're not handing him a pamphlet. but also this stuff that's not so in your face. The whole thing speaks of pleasure, and comfort, and convenience, and lack of responsibility and consequences. Kind of like there's a morality-free zone that we just uh, drop into for a few days and then go back to our real lives some other place. And that doesn't work. So the whole time I'm walking this strip, I have two songs in my head, both by U2. And I grew up when U2 was at the height of their powers, right? Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum, right? I claim proudly the 80s. Bishop Vedder, by the way, he said, you know why kids are so angsty in, in this generation? Their music stinks. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it kind of does, actually. So, so check out some 80s stuff. It'll, it'll bring you back a little bit. The two songs, the first one from Rattle and Hum, 1988, desire. You know that song? Just desire, right? It's just a driving song. Just feed the desire, feed the desire, feed the desire. And that's what goes on there on that strip. Feed the desire. And it's not so different from what St. Paul writes in the second reading. For many, as I have often told you, and now tell you even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God, their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. That was true when Paul wrote it. It's true right now, in 2022. Because there's something in the human heart where our desires have been properly like messed up. They're no longer properly ordered. They're disordered desires. And our culture seeks to inflame those lowest and most earthly desires. And it has no capacity at all for properly ordering them. And it doesn't want us to. Because then we can say no to certain things because we've said yes to higher things not just earthly things, but heavenly things. And then if we say yes to heavenly things, then we're not bound and enslaved by our earthly desires. Our minds are no longer occupied with earthly things. And when you have people whose minds are no longer occupied with earthly things and who can say no to certain desires, you can't make much money off them. And that's why this culture wants you enslaved to your earthly desires to inflame them and to have you say yes to them over and over and over again. But for all that obsession with desire, we're not very good at fulfilling our own desirous hearts. And that was the second song that was going in my head the whole time I was on the strip in Las Vegas. You too, Joshua Tree, 1987, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Which, by the way, they filmed the video there on the strip, Walking Las Vegas. And there's a beautiful irony to that, right? And here we are in this place of desire, but we still haven't found what we're looking for. And, of course, that echoes back all the way to St. Augustine, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You've made us for yourself, O God. It was true when Augustine said it in the 4th century, and it's true now in 2022. And so this is about desire. And my friends, the Christian life is about the purification of desire, not the elimination, about the purification of desire. St. Augustine, he says, the whole of the Christian life is nothing other than holy desire. The whole of the Christian life, it's about desiring the right thing and wanting it. Why is that? Because God wants lovers. He doesn't want robots. He wants men and women who desire him and his people, who can love him and his people. And that's what Lent is for us. A time of disciplining and purifying our desires so that we're free from the lowest and the most earthly. And as we become free from those low and earthly desires, we can actually set free the deepest desires of our hearts because every one of us, every one of you is made for heaven. That's why St. Paul can say our citizenship is in heaven. That's our home. It's where we belong. We come from God and we go back to God. And this journey on this earth is beautiful and good, but it's a pilgrimage. Don't try to find your home here. Don't try to satisfy the deepest desires of your heart with the things of this world because you will never satisfy yourself. At the end of your life, you will say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for because only God can satisfy the human heart. So we have a beautiful gospel then because what it does is it shows us what happens when the deepest desires of our human heart are properly ordered. And what happens to us is actually what we see in Jesus. If our deepest desires are properly ordered, our desire for God is allowed to run free and full in our hearts, then he meets us Because as much as we desire him, he desires us even more. That's why we don't eliminate desire. We purify it. We discipline it. Jesus is a lover. He loves us. He desires us. When our hearts are properly ordered, we begin to radiate with the light that we see him radiating in tonight's gospel. It's the divine life which can't be contained, it shines forth, beautiful and bright. That's what we're made for, every one of us. When we fall into sin, we diminish ourselves. We dim the divine light that's meant to shine forth. Jesus comes as the light bearer, the light of the world, And he shines into the darkness of the human heart. And that beautiful shining changes not just us. It changes the reality around us. Because then we begin to radiate. And the light grows in the world. But it's the light of heaven. The question then becomes, do we desire that? Do we desire holiness? Do you desire holiness? What do you want? It's a good question to ask in Lent. Does holiness make your top 10? Does it make your top five? Why isn't it the number one desire? And we've got to be honest about that because our hearts are not properly ordered, we all have disordered desires. It's what happens with a fallen human nature. It's what happens when we fall into sin. We begin to prefer other things to God, much to our detriment and much to our unhappiness. We think it's going to make us happy, so we want it and we take it, and then we have it, and then we're not happy. So we try something else, and then we try something else, and we try something else, and we exhaust ourselves because we still haven't found what we're looking for when what we're looking for is right here, Jesus himself says, come to me. Come to me, because he has come to us. He's right here. How do we grow in that desire for holiness? Well, this, my friends. We cannot be enemies of the cross. St. Paul, second reading. We cannot be enemies of the cross. The cross is key, it's key to our Lenten journey, it's even key to the transfiguration which we hear about in tonight's gospel. In this beautiful scene of radiance and glory, the divine light shining, the glory of heaven. What is it that Jesus is talking about with Moses and Elijah? They were speaking of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem that Exodus is nothing other than his passion and his death, where he sets the world free, where he sets us free, and it is through his passion and through his death, which looks like an absolute moment of darkness, that the light that saves the world shines forth. And that, my friends, is why we cannot be enemies of the cross. And we live in a world where the cross is absolutely feared where we are taught to run exactly the other way when the cross presents itself. It's natural, scary to embrace the cross, but there is no life apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the source of life, and it's the source of our hope. It's the source of our healing. And In Lent, we choose, we desire, we make a choice to take up the cross with our Lord, and then we receive his love. St. Leo, the great he has a great section in the Divine Office today, and he says this: "No one should be ashamed of the cross of Christ through which the world has been redeemed. No one should fear to suffer for the sake of justice, and no one should lose confidence in the reward that has been promised." The way to rest is through toil. The way to life is through death. Said in a different way, Cardinal Dolan, one time speaking to seminarians, said, if the cross is present in your life, it's not a sign that something is wrong. It's a sign that something is right. If the cross is present in your life, It's not a sign that something is wrong, that God has forgotten you, that God is punishing you, that God is cruel, that he's abandoned you. No, it's a sign that something is right, that he trusts you enough to welcome you in to the only school that will teach you how to really love, the school of the cross. Is there suffering? Yes. Is it easy? No but there's freedom there. And there's love that the world cannot supply. There's peace that the world cannot give when we embrace the cross with Jesus. So my friends, the exhortation tonight is to embrace the cross because you are a citizen of heaven. And the only passport that gets you to heaven is the cross. You cannot enter the kingdom without embracing the cross. It's the way that Jesus chose. And so it's our way. So may we embrace the cross, not just endure it, whatever it looks like in your life, whatever that suffering is, and it's different for every person, but it's real in every life. Embrace the cross with our Lord and watch what he does. There you will find him And in him, you will find the love and the peace that your heart is made for. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.